Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of BU with Declan Edwards. You are listening to the mini series on this show, Wizards of Wellbeing. And quite excitingly, you have just tuned in to episode one of season two. So, as a reminder, or if you're new here and you don't know what the hell Wizards of Wellbeing is, other than sounding like something absolutely amazing, this is the mini series where we interview people who we feel are creating absolute magic in the lives of others. They're helping them be happier, they're helping them be healthier, they're helping them be more fulfilled. So today we are joined by someone who I absolutely adore talking to. Her name is Haley Stathis. She runs the Well Clinic. She's a clinical nutritionist and naturopath. And when we were connecting with each other in the lead up to this show, I said, you know, if you could only talk about one thing, what would it be? And she said, right now, I think what we need to be talking about is stress and food. So if you're someone who finds that when you're stressed, you don't eat, you skip meals, or maybe when you're stressed, you overeat and overindulge and use it as a bit of an emotional crutch, or if you're someone who just finds that the second you're stressed, all of your healthy habits go completely out the window. This is such a good episode for you. We've actually just finished recording it. And let me promise you, the stuff we got to speak about in terms of mindfulness around food, in terms of intentionality around food, in terms of understanding how your body actually responds behaviorally with food when you are in a state of stress. These are all such insightful, insightful topics that we dove into. Plus, we also had Haley be the brave and bold first participant in our brand new surprise game. So every season we have a surprise game that we spring upon our guests on the show. And <laughs> this season we've gone over the top. We've got a prop for the surprise game that I know you guys are going to love. So make sure you tune into this episode. And as always, thank you in advance for taking a little bit of time out of your day to put into your own well-being by being here. And with that said, let's welcome Haley onto the show. So, I mean, first and foremost, thank you for coming onto the show. I'm not going to lie. I've got a little bit of deja vu happening right now, but in reverse role order. I know uh, it was last week. Time flies these yeah, days. Yeah, last, last week. Last week, yeah, that I was obviously doing a workshop for your community and your crew, and now here we are in reverse. I'm particularly excited about this um, because of the topics that you sent through as suggestions, and in particular, the topic of stress and food and all the links between things like stress eating and how it actually plays a role physically, mentally, and emotionally. I cannot wait to get your perspective on that. But as always, I'm getting ahead of myself because I get excited by the content. Uh, before we jump into it, I think it's, it's uh, better for us to start off by handing across to you and of course, giving you a bit of an opportunity to introduce yourself to all our listeners and share a bit about not only what you do, but I think why you do it as well is always really interesting to me. So uh, fill us in on that. Thanks so much, Declan. Um, so my name's Hayley uh, and I run a little clinic in Newcastle called The Well Clinic, although with everything that's gone on in the world, we're kind of moving more online. And so that's really exciting, um, being able to reach more women and help more women. So I work primarily with women. I'm a clinical nutritionist and naturopath by trade. And for the past decade, I, I kind of fell into just helping them lose weight because everyone kept coming in wanting to you know, increase energy and sleep better and deal with stress, but weight was always there and they struggled with it. And to be honest, in the early days, 
I didn't really know how to help them either. I'd put them on diets and do all the things that I was trained that you need to do. Um, but now what I have is a program that incorporates a lot of eating psychology and that emotional well-being because what I found is that is such key. Um, we are such emotional creatures and particularly the women I work with tend to be in that sort of 35 to 55 age bracket, very busy time in a woman's life, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of busyness. Um, so I love this topic too. And, and no, you know, I, I brought it up as an option for us to talk about because I know that's your area of expertise as well. So um, I'm excited to explore the topic um, because I know my clients love it. Anytime we go into that emotional well-being and talking about stress and linking for them how stress and food and hormones and physical well-being kind of all come together, they really get a lot out of it. And I think they get some big shifts in, in their overall health and wellness once they sort of start to really think, oh, I really need to actually deal with my stress or look after my self-care and really sort of um, understand that that's just as important as the food that they put in their body. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I know we talk a lot about how we're not logic-driven creatures. As much as we like to tell ourselves we are, logically, we all have a base idea on what to do for our health. Hmm. It seems like the gap these days may not be so much knowledge. Yes, there's room for refinement and polishing and sharpening the saw on that. And there's always room to add more tools to the toolkit. But in this day and age where we have an abundance of information, it seems like the lack is more in that follow-through implementation yeah. And understanding almost the, the cause behind the symptom, right? Rather than just addressing the symptom or the behavior that's coming out. Well, why is that behavior coming out in the first place? And I know obviously you mentioned that, yeah, stress and emotional well-being obviously a massive part of, of BU and what we focus on. But I think it's going to be really interesting to hear because we obviously normally approach it from how does our emotional and mental health and well-being affect our physical health and well-being and behaviors I'm kind of curious to hear how it goes back the opposite way as well. And I know that's something really in your alley too. Um, I, I just think that's going to add this really nice perspective to how we approach this holistically. So, I mean, to start with, we can probably just go straight off the bat. I know myself when I'm stressed, my behavior, my relationship with food changes. You know, I know a lot of members in our community and a lot of people listening to this podcast will find the same. Basically, it's one of the, it's almost one of the easiest things to, stumble into changing when we become stressed now whether that changes i know a lot of people who will stop eating from stress i know a lot of people who will overeat from stress and emotionally comfort themselves i know a lot of people who latch onto the idea of control around food when they're stressed and it feels like i can control this so they become almost a little too much pressure on themselves and a bit perfectionistic so i know there's this massive range of how stress and food can interrelate but i'd really love to hear from you what sort of behaviors do you see come through um, from your clients and from your uh, expertise where you go you know what stress might be related in some way here stress might be playing a role and we should probably look at that mm. yeah stress I almost feel for a lot of my clients it's um it's like a deer in the headlights they're going really well they're feeling good they're making progress and changes and then there's an emotional trigger there's a stress and then boom they're straight back into that critter brain survival mode and then everything that they know helps them and, and those habits that they've implemented that they know are serving them goes out the window and they go right back into oh well I, I can't I can't do that for myself right now I've just got to deal with this stress and so you're kind of almost right back to square one so I guess that's where 
helping them see that that might happen and, and putting in some strategies around that so that, okay, you, you might have a day or two where perhaps you aren't eating the breakfast that you normally would and you realise that it's, it, things are busy and stressful and you're not putting yourself first anymore. Let's, let's recognise that and, and, and deal with that. But, yeah, I think stress, um, you know, and, and you, I guess dealing with weight loss a lot, you said, you know, often stress can cause that. Um, you know, we use food to cope. I mean, we all do it in some way. And, and sometimes it's okay to eat something just for the sheer pleasure of it. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Chocolate, all, all of those things, you know, they're there for a reason. Food, you can get pleasure from food, but it's just when it, like you said, what's that underlying driver? Is, is am I going to this food because I'm stressed and I'm maybe needing to deal with some of those emotions as opposed to reaching for that food? And it's just, I guess it's just helping my clients see that, be a bit curious about it, explore that for themselves and, and, and make that connection. And it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like almost there's a bit more of a sense of intentionality behind it. Like if you're able mm. to come to it going, okay, I know that, yes, I'm reaching for this right now because I've had a pretty full on day and I'm having a bit of comfort food, mm. but I'm aware of it. I'm intentional with it. I'm mindful with it and I'm okay with it. Yeah. It seems like that's a much healthier approach to take than, you know, maybe we're not realizing why we're doing it. And then we keep going, keep going, keep going. It becomes this, this cycle and this habit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's that difference between mindful and mindless yes. in that approach to food. And I think too, when, when you're more aware of those um, patterns and behaviors and, and like you say, you approach it with intention and you're okay with it, it's because it's a choice. Mm. And so you don't then have that negativity and that, um, barrage of, of you know beating yourself up after it's happened which I mean as you would know then that spirals yeah. into all sorts of other emotional issues yeah I was going to ask you about that sort of spiral effect and what boundaries or barriers or strategies you recommend for people to notice the spiral but then to exit the spiral because we do mm. see that pretty consistently it's some life's thrown a curveball I'm the first yeah. to say life does not go to our plans as much as we think it does uh, life has its own plans and sometimes we get curveballs thrown us. Right now, at the time of recording this, we're in the middle of a global uh, mm. curveball. There's been this massive shift to how we approach our lives and our well-being and um, just our day-to-day -day routines. And so I know that we get this curveball and then our routines go out the window. I love that analogy you said of the deer in the headlights. It's yeah. like every strategy and routine and practice we'd started to build gets out the window. We're oh. back to that very primal you know, yes. survival instincts, like that fight or, fight or flight. So when that happens, we, as you said, we then know we're going to beat ourselves up. We're more likely to get back into that spiral. We're more likely to just yo-yo change. Maybe we'll restrict for a bit, then we'll binge mm. and it'll be this cycle. Mm. What are the sort of early catch points that you think people could be very mindful of or aware of and go, okay, I know that if I'm starting to see this happen, yeah. chan chances are on the top of that spiral, I should probably do something now. Yeah, I guess um, when I start working with clients, you know, we do a big assessment and they, they'll complete a food journal and then um, I get them to continue that journey. I, I really feel journaling because you, you forget. If I said to you, what did you eat for three days, the last three days? You're like, I don't know, but literally writing it down. And it's, it's food and mood and, and poo actually as well, but we probably won't go into that on this particular I love that though. So podcast, we food, can go there. Food, mood and poop. Is that the... Food, mood and poo. Yeah, I love that. poop. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all very important for me to know yes. how the, all those things are going, but helping them put that again, that connection that put those pieces of the puzzle together between 
what they're eating and how they're feeling. And so if a past pattern that we're trying to really focus on, and everyone's different, but for example, one common thing I see with my clients is they skip breakfast. Mm -hmm. And yes, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, in my opinion, and uh, because it's setting up the, the rest of the day. So if they find they're starting to skip breakfast and they're noticing that because they're journaling it, that could be a sign of, oh, okay, this is a behavior that I'm trying to shift. Maybe I better just, and the thing is, the stress is still there. It's not even telling them, go meditate and deal with stress. It's just eat breakfast. It's that, and you were talking before about, how, you know, it's almost chicken and egg, isn't it? What comes first? Is it the food we eat drives how well we feel emotionally or is it how well we feel emotionally drives how well we eat? And I don't know. I think sometimes they cross over and it's probably both of them. Um, but being more aware, and, and I, as a nutritionist, I guess I just say, look, start with the food. Because I know if you're nourishing your body and you're fixing nutrient deficiencies and you've got nice steady blood sugar throughout the day because you're having breakfast lunch and dinner and three nice nourishing meals you're more likely then to have healthy brain chemistry balanced hormones balanced mood you're not hangry so that's a really good place to start yeah and i love that sort of perspective of coming in from starting almost with simplicity yeah. I think, you know, food is one of those things that much like mental and emotional health, people overcomplicate. They make yeah. it so scary, so overwhelming, so messy. And then they don't really do anything rather than just being like, well, you know what? My starting point is I'm just going to start with having breakfast. Yeah. That's what I'm going to work on first. I think that's so much more beneficial than overwhelming ourselves with all these different strategies or, or oh. aiming for the perfect approach to food. Totally. Um, rather than just going, hey, this is where I'm going to start. Mm. And so I'm, cu I'm curious, I know something I'm uh, aware of in my own patterns around food is sometimes falling into the trap, especially if there's a lot on that I'm quite excited about, of seeing food and cooking food and having meals as a bit of a chore, as something mm. where it's like, you know what, it's just something I've got to get done to get through my day. And I know that that results in me not being mindful around it. I don't enjoy it. I basically just wolf it down the quickest yeah. thing I can get my hands on. Yeah. So I can get back into things that I may be more excited by. I know for a lot of our members and listeners, they have that little bit of a, it's a funny blend between a helper drive where they're pretty good at putting everyone else's needs ahead of theirs, but also a high achiever drive where they're pretty mm. damn good at always wanting more, more, more on their plate. Yeah. And so food in both of those, we just see can get pushed to the wayside. And yeah. again, we're being mindless about it. We're not being mindful. What sort of tips or perspectives do you have for people who do tend to view food as a bit of a, a this is just something I have to do to stay alive yeah um, yeah and so as a result they're not very intentional around it yeah I, I absolutely understand that and I think myself as well I know when I'm working on a project you're in the zone and you're in flow and you just want to keep going with it um, and yeah lunch can get skipped or it's pushed back a bit later and you go oh, I've got to stop now yeah absolutely so it is it is absolutely um, a really common thing I think I, I had a client um, that came to mind when you were just sort of that she had so much on her plate huge conference that she was organizing all the balls were in the air she had coaching clients and family and everything and um, she started to slip back into some of the old sort of patterns around food and I just said to her look this is you need to make the food decision easy let's just remove it completely meal prep 
And I used to be anti-meal prep because it makes me think of those like really muscly, like the bodybuilding bodybuilders yeah. <laughs> and it's just chicken and broccoli for like 10 days. But I just said, look, Sunday afternoon, cook up three curries or whatever you want, soups, have them all ready, wake up in the morning as you're doing the kids' lunchboxes, make a lunchbox for yourself and just gave us some really, just so that when she was in that work day, she just literally had to go fridge, lunch, eat. because. Sometimes food is just about survival. You can't be master chef in the kitchen for every meal, nor should we have to be. But yeah, just looking at it more as, okay, how can I make this as easy as possible for myself? And then also realizing that, well, if you are loving work or you're busy and you're excited about it, well, maybe eating good food is going to help you to do better and to sustain it longer. Yeah, I love that. Seeing it as a, a way to sort of nurture ourselves and give ourselves yeah. more energy to put into that yeah. creative process. It's like process. high performance tactic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I, I love that idea as well of being a bit more compassionate with ourselves around food, especially in times of stress and change mm. and not, again, falling into that trap of the all or nothing sort of perspective. Yeah. Um, I do worry that a lot of people these days do that bit of a self-comparison to what they may be seeing on their favorite Instagram influencers page of, Oh, but they make mm. these amazing smoothies and these mm. raw chocolate bars for the afternoon. And here I am, you know, smashing back a Freddo frog. Yeah. Um, I think I love that perspective of just finding a healthy middle ground. Yeah. And coming back to, I think a running theme so far, which I'm loving is this idea of intentionality. Is yeah. it, I'm intentionally mm. prioritizing this big work project that I have on but I'm still being intentional with some smart food choices, but I'm also yeah. knowing, you know what? I'm not going to master chef every day at the moment. No. So that's not going to happen. No, that's right. That's mm. right. What else do you have to say around sort of that topic with, because I'm loving this that we've just stumbled across this idea of being intentional, being proactive as well and not reactive with our food. I think mm. it's quite interesting as a perspective. Mm. Um, talk to me more on that and how that can play out, especially in times of change and stress. Yeah, I think with the current global situation and everyone's sort of whole world and daily life changing and routines going out the window, I've been coaching my clients a lot on, well, you need to create that routine. You need mm. to prioritize food and because there's always going to be something that comes along. Um, life's never perfect and nor should it be, but really setting up that structure and even putting in the, the diary because a lot of people have been on Zoom meetings and, you know, ever, trying to figure out how life and business work today. So really doing those little things like, okay, schedule in breakfast, schedule in lunch, schedule in dinner. And just, um, I think realizing as well, the importance of nutrition, particularly, I mean, gosh, there's a virus going around the world. We all need good, strong immune systems as well as coming into winter. So understanding that, all the vitamins and potions in the world aren't going to help your body if you're missing those foundational basics. So I guess maybe starting the day with that intention of, okay, today I'm going to make sure if nothing else, I have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And for me, that's the ultimate self-care. Three opportunities every day, sit down, take a break. That's the other thing is actually maybe step away from work. If you can't do that, okay, in front of the computer, but even better, maybe take a break. And at least you know then you've done it. What were you talking about on our call last week about making the bed, the soldier? I was just about to say the exact same example. You? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, this is reminding me of something yeah. else. So that <laughs> the viral video of a, a US soldier who was saying, 
what a meaningful thing for him and an expression of self-care is making the bed in the morning because then if yeah. the whole day goes to shit it doesn't matter because he's done something for yeah. himself and I, exactly when you were saying you know what maybe the intention's just i'm gonna have three meals today yeah. and maybe one of those meals is mindful it's away from the computer it's yeah. you know a yeah. bit more you know present if everything else goes to shit that day at least you go to bed going you know what yeah i've looked after my physical health i've put some good food into me i've you know I've actually yeah. been a bit more intentional with this than maybe I otherwise would have been. Yeah. That's so funny that both our minds went to the same place. I know. There. I was like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to bring this up. Um, I love that. What, do you, what have you found for yourself? I'm curious. You obviously talk about having these mindful practices and as you were saying with your clients going, okay, all routines are off, you know, out the window at the moment. It's up mm. to us to establish new ones. What are some little like hacks and habits and routines that you found have worked well for you or for your clients. I know one you mentioned was obviously meal prepping. Yep. Are there any others that you found tend to work a bit of a treat? Batch cooking is another one. It's kind of a bit like meal cooking, but it's the idea of whenever you're cooking, uh, mostly works with dinner, right? So whenever you're cooking dinner, pretend you're feeding an army and then put it all in the freezer. Because oh, cool. the other thing that often happens is... Um, perhaps, I don't know, maybe not as much at the moment, but back in the day when we all used to leave the house for work, people would come home really late, tired, hungry. Oh, now I have to cook dinner. I'll just order pizza or I'll just go get takeaway. But then if they can say, oh, look, there's a beautiful chicken curry in the freezer. I'll pull that out, heat it up and dinner's done. So um, I think particularly in winter, batch cooking is fantastic. Or, or chuck on a slow cooker in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you've got that beautiful smell of cooking the whole day and then you've got your meal ready. Um, the other thing that I've been trying to do because I feel like I'm living in our front room at the moment. So I do my, um, my pineapple fitness training from here, my Pilates. Um, when the boys are home from school, the homeschooling, I work from here. Um, there's a lot of washing on the lounge behind me at the moment. So I kind of leave this room. So sitting out on the porch to actually have my um, lunch is really helpful just changing where you are and, and again it comes back to taking that break um because again if we're talking about stress and food we don't want to be putting food into our system when we're right in the middle of that stress response mm -hmm. we're not going to absorb any of it we're going to end up bloated um and we've just really missed or, or and potentially overeat as well because again there's no intention it's mindless I love this theme that's developing. Yeah, yeah. Let's just pretend that we knew we were going to talk about I was going to say, this is the key takeaway that we yes. planned in some way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love that you mentioned, because I was going to ask on that, obviously we've got this sort of fight and flight response and then this rest and digest response. Mm. Um, I was going to ask about, because I know a little bit, I'm sure you know a lot more than me about when we are in that state of stress and fast pace and busyness and that fight and flight response, we literally don't get as much out of our food, do we? Am I right in saying no. that? Like we don't. We literally don't. Value. Yeah, we don't assimilate the nutrients. So we don't, um, in, when we're in fight or flight, I guess the easiest way to think about it is we need all of our blood and our nutrients to our muscles so that we can either run away or fight. Mm. And so that all gets taken away from our digestive tract. So if you're in that response, and it doesn't mean you're literally sitting there stressed to your eyeballs, it, it, we're often in the stress response just in modern day life. So answering emails, working to a deadline, we're not rest and digest. We are in that stress response in some way. So 
we start putting food in our system then and our body's like, oh, I haven't even got my digestive enzymes going and oh, my stomach acids, oh, I don't really know what to do with this. And so it kind of just gets stuck there and we're not getting all the nutrition out of it. And then you end up with, um, yeah, just a bit of waste food really. Mm, there you go. Yeah, because I know I've found for myself, like uh, I know I feel a lot more nourished and I feel like I'm getting more of my food it sounds, it's again, one of the bed making examples. Mm. I weirdly enjoy cleaning the kitchen and doing the dishes. Mm, um, my I husband it, does too. <laughs> yeah, I find it weirdly mindful. I take like three times as long as Chev, my wife, takes to do it. Um, <laughs> but I sort of started, it's funny you mentioned putting in your calendar time for mm. meals. I have a day planner that I use and I'm very intentional now around putting a lunch break in. Yeah. But the lunch break for me is I vacuum the house, I then do the dishes and then I'll have a meal um, and I noticed when I did that in reverse, when I was sort of rushing through the meal and rushing through the chores, I didn't get as much out of it. Yeah. And I also want to highlight for the listeners what you said about use of space around yeah. it as well to decompress. So my wife and I've just moved into a tiny home. Uh, so we're living in literally a studio apartment sized little cottage on, a, on an acreage. And nice. so everything is basically like the kitchen is like two meters that way. Yeah. And the bedroom is two meters that way. So for me, I've found like I'm only doing work in the workspace. I'm only yeah. eating and cooking and doing things to do with food and digestion in that space over there um, yeah. has worked really well for me. And yeah. I think that is something we lose a lot. We sort of yeah. work everywhere, especially now. We eat mm. everywhere. We mm. leisure everywhere. And it just gets blurry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really those transitions, isn't it? I think, is it Brendan Bouchard that talks about probably everybody talks about it, but um, deline uh, delineating, is that the right word? But, but marking that space between, okay, I'm now moving from this task or my work persona or my work mode to now coming home to the family or to now sitting down to eat a meal. Because if you take that energy from work into eating your meal, again, you're not slowing down and you're not going to be able to digest it. But yeah, you've almost kind of, done that in a spatial way haven't you with your house which yeah. is great and that's really healthy mm, it's been quiet when we were because we only moved in here a couple of weeks ago um, we didn't have a big house before we we're in a two-bedroom townhouse um, but when we moved out here we we're like oh this is literally one room that now has to represent everything to yeah. us so we're very intentional around spacing in that place yeah. and it's been an interesting transition to that and holding each other accountable on it too like Chev will point out if I'm still doing work things, but I'm lying in bed or I'm yeah. you know, over in the kitchen space. She's like, this doesn't look like your office space. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're right. What's wrong with this <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been an interesting little shift for us, but I think it has highlighted to me how important it is to have that space, that clarity, that intentionality, that mindfulness, all these concepts and themes mm. that have run throughout our conversation today. Mm. Um, have sort of really come to the forefront. So I think a lot of people listening will feel the same uh, with everything happening in the world at the moment. Maybe there's some old habits creeping back up around food and stress. And maybe there's some old practices that are that crash hot for them, but it's these nice little reminders to be like, Oh yeah, like maybe I am being a bit mindless around my food or mm. maybe I don't really have that clarity, that space, or maybe I'm trying to eat well, but I'm doing it in such a rushed and hurried state that I'm really not yeah. getting the, the benefits from it that I could be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do see that a lot too, where it's a beautiful nourishing meal, 
but it's not being chewed properly and it's being wolfed down as fast as possible. And yeah, that's, I, I was going to say that's bad. But that brings me to another topic, which is that idea of good and bad. Yeah. Oh, I was really good today because I ate apples and you know, oh no, <laughs> you just <laughs> ate. It doesn't, don't make yourself, be, mm. you know, your worth be linked into how you're eating. Yeah. I see that a lot with women. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea of like, food is not as much of a moral thing as it's made out to be these days. Yeah. And again, I guess it does come back to that idea of compassion and Mm. flexibility and mindfulness around it rather than the labels and the strict structure and routines of like, well, Mm. I have to eat this way because I've decided that this is the right way to eat. And if I haven't, I'm a a failure. Yeah, that's right. Which again, just kicks off that spiral that we were talking about earlier, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. I'm absolutely loving this conversation and the themes running through it. I know it's really going to resonate with our listeners. Uh, but what we're about to do quite excitingly is I sort of told you just before we started the recording that we've always had a bit of a game that we play at the end of uh, the Wizards of Wellbeing series just to add some chaos and unpredictability to the show. And mm-hmm. un- I mean, there it's all unscripted. This sounded a lot more scripted than normal because we had some beautiful themes run through it. We'll pretend that we came up with those beforehand. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I like this idea of it's almost like when we're put on the spot and caught off guard, our true self gets to shine through as well and we get to have some fun oh, with it. No, everyone's going to know now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a very quick break to hear from our, our amazing sponsor for this season. And then when we come back in, you're going to be the first guest playing the new game that we have for season two. Exciting. Damn, that is a good coffee. And you know what I think makes good coffee even greater? When it's doing good for the world. And that's exactly what our friends over at Monkey Brew are doing with their environmentally friendly and sustainable coffee range. Now, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you'd remember these guys, Monkey Brew were partners of ours in season one, and they've chosen to continue that relationship with us into season two. But my God, they've upped the ante. They've taken things to a whole new level. Let me tell you how. So one big change they've made, which I absolutely love, is for every kilo of coffee that they sell now, they plant a native Australian tree. So you can actually track and see the outcome of your morning coffee habit. How cool is that? Not only are you getting to start the day with a great cup of coffee, you're doing it with a good conscience, and you're doing it knowing that you've contributed to their big mission of planting entire forests of native Australian trees. And the other thing they've done, which I'm so grateful for, is decided to give you guys a few really cool opportunities on how you can start your environmentally friendly coffee habit and routine and journey with them. So the first option is if you're a bit of a bit of a maestro with coffee already, you kind of, you've got the hang of it, you know your jam, you're a bit of a guru already and you know what you're doing, with home brewing. What you want to do if this is the case is head to Monkey Brew and you're going to go to their sampler pack. Now the sampler pack gives you a chance to try a few of their different environmentally friendly coffees, find your flavor, find your style, find the one that really speaks to you and then continue your journey forward with them from there. If on the other hand you're more like me and you think the idea of home brewing is a bit overwhelming, a bit daunting, maybe you've never done it before and you don't know where to start, Well, then the best thing you can do is get their intro to brewing pack. 
So this is going to give you a chance to try some of the coffees, but it's also going to teach you how to brew them at home and how to make amazing cups of coffee in the morning in a way that doesn't take a ton of time or a ton of know-how. I love how simple they make it. So for either of these, what you're going to want to do is head to https colon forward slash forward slash monkeybrew.org forward slash collections. And here's the tricky part. This is where you got to keep an ear at forward slash brewing dash and dash sample dash packs. Now, if you can't remember all of that, don't worry. The link is in the show notes, in the show notes of every show. When you go there, what you're going to want to do is choose either the sampler pack or the intro to brewing pack and then put in the code BUPODCAST at the checkout because that's going to get you $5 off your first order. So thank you again to Monkey Roo. We love what you guys are doing. We're so proud to be connected with you for season two of this show. And as I said, make sure for everyone listening, you go connect with Monkey Roo and you start your journey and you start your day with a great cup of coffee that's doing good in the world. So in season one, we had a fun little game we played at the end of every episode uh, where I had a little black book of secret questions uh, and guests could choose five random numbers and that would be their questions. Well, I decided to up the ante for season two and we went and got ourselves a giant wheel. (laughs) So we're going to spin the giant (laughs) wheel and whatever it lands on will be your question. And what we're going to get is first thought, first gut instinct reactions to the question from the giant wheel. So do you want me to spin it clockwise or anti-clockwise? I'll let you choose. Oh no, you got to down that way so it goes really fast. Yeah. Okay. I love that it has the sound effect of a ridiculous yeah. Price is Right wheel as well. It does. It just makes it all that more intense. In the like car, my in heart the car, in the car. is beating for what could come up from this. Okay, so you've landed on dark purple. So dark purple is the dinner party question. Oh. Which is, I was going to say aubergine. Yes, we do have. Yeah, well, yes, we have aubergine served <laughs> at the dinner party. Um, I haven't heard it called aubergine in so long on a side note. Do you know, I call it eggplant, but, that, but that's not what came to my head. You know what? I that's think not the game anyway. So. There's some subliminal <laughs> shifting of language here with the US flag in the background and the I gridiron helmet. <laughs> and yeah. all of a sudden it's now Kumara and, yeah. uh, and aubergine. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is, if you could host a dinner party mm-hmm. and invite three people from history, so alive, passed away, mm-hmm. any time period, what three would they be? And what questions would you ask them? Okay. Ooh, okay. So first ones that come to mind. Queen, Queen Elizabeth the, the first. Mm-hmm. Oh God, this is, I don't know. What question would I ask it? Can you bring dessert? I love that. This because I think good, this good British dessert. really, it'd be royal though, wouldn't it? Cause mm. the way they used to like what she would be used to. Yes. At the royal Or do you put her table. on the spot and get her to cook a dessert and say that she specifically has to cook it? Well, she probably wouldn't know now. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, we'll find out. But exactly. Yes. This is what yeah. we'll find out at the dinner party. Yeah. So can you bring to Um, Who else would I have along? Gosh. I know. This is nobody anybody will know. But on my family tree that my mum's cousin did, back to the 1600s, there was a, this name. I can remember it as a kid. Isabella Carmacadden. I think she was Irish. Married someone in England and I want her to come because I just think 
you know, 1600s mm. Irish woman, wouldn't that be interesting? Mm. She could bring maybe the entree. Yes. Beautiful. And for our US listeners, that is an appetizer. Oh, I've had appetizer. this argument with many people uh. before. I'm like, <laughs> it's called an entree because it's like the entree. It enters the meal. <laughs> yeah. Don't you have appetizers first? Like they're so like canapes? The, so in the US, entree is their word for main. So no. an entree is the main meal and appetizer <laughs> is the entree. And I know about 20% of our listeners are in the US right now being like, yes, that is correct. I'm like, yeah. but it's no, not. No, <laughs> well, they'll be happy I said aubergine. They'll understand yeah. what I mean by that. <laughs> and who's our third mm. guest? Oh, gosh, who's our third? I need to sound really smart and deep and wise. Who no, anyone I? who comes to mind. Well, Socrates. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. no, 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 no. Hippocrates. Okay. They could come together. Yeah, I reckon they'd be a good package duo. Yeah. I reckon they'd be one of those people that, you know, like you invite one of them and you just know the other one's going to show up as part of the deal. Yeah. They could come, you know, where they're like one would be sitting on your shoulders and they just have a big, like, Uh, Because back then humans were much shorter. So they could probably get away. They'd still be our height. Yeah. Yeah, They could probably get away with the whole trench coat thing. Yeah. What question would you ask the trench coat filled Hippocrates and Socrates? Well, whatever the answer would be, it would be incredibly wise. Quite profound. I'd probably... uh, well, I'd have to ask Socrates something about what's it like drinking hemlock? <laughs> because that's probably the only question he's never answered, mm. isn't mm. it? Um, and I learned that when I studied herbs. I was fascinated. Um, and then Hippocrates, I'd probably say knowing what you knew back then for health and knowing that all disease starts in the gut and um, you know, we really need to uh, look after our bodies to prevent mm. disease. What do you think of the way we approach health and well-being today? Oh wow, yeah, and mm. what a what a lively dinner conversation that would mm. bark up. I'm just I'm literally imagining you at a dinner table now with these collections throughout history and a <laughs> giant eggplant in the middle, just yeah. <laughs> served up, been roasted and ready to go. Um, <laughs> what an interesting meal it would be. Thank you for playing my random game with the the fun <laughs> wheel. Um, this is the, the fun little insights that I like to pull from people. So that's really... Isn't it bizarre? Yeah, I love it. Um, so for people who have been listening and really sort of resonated with you and your approach and a lot of what we're talking about today, mm. where is the best place for them to connect with you more and find out more about you and um, basically, you know, be part of that journey as well and take their next steps? I'd probably say uh, on my social media platform. So Instagram is the well clinic. So it's the underscore well underscore clinic. Um, that's where all of my sort of health and wellness information is shared. Um, otherwise I do just have Haley status. You can find me there as well. Amazing. And we'll put the links for that in the show notes as well. So for everyone who's listening, make sure you click those links in the show notes and connect with Haley and find out more from there. Um, but to finish us off thank you so much again for bringing your time and volunteering your time to be part of the show and bringing your perspective and uh yeah having some really i think insightful conversations as well as some just a bit of cheeky fun at the end as well yeah, um, i you. really appreciate it oh thank you so much for having me declan it's been fun Thank you once again for tuning into this week's episode. It really does mean the world to me to see that we're impacting people's lives and making a shift in your personal development and well-being journey by doing this podcast each and every week. 
As always, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe on whatever platform you're listening through and leave us a review. It does help this podcast reach more people, which helps us positively impact more lives. It means you get to play a role in spreading the positive ripple effect that BU is focused on. And don't forget that as always, if you feel compelled and you feel really drawn to accelerating your personal development and well-being journey, if you really want to take those next steps forward and get one-on-one tailored advice and guidance with what strategies are going to make the biggest difference for your happiness and your sense of fulfillment and flourishing, then go check out our website. The link is in the show notes, but if you don't have the show notes open, it is www.bucoaching.org. Now, if you also put the forward slash accelerator, what you're going to find is all the info on our signature personal development and well-being accelerator program. So the best way to think of this is it's like a college. We actually have freshman students, sophomore students, juniors and seniors. And it's for people like yourself who are really passionate about getting access to the tools and the tribe required to thrive. So it's getting access to all this proven knowledge, skills and strategies the right people, including the right coaches and mentors and guest experts. And when you put those together, having the space, the accountability, the guidance to not just survive in life and get by, but to actually fulfill your potential and thrive. Now, if that sounds like something pretty damn amazing to you, head to the website, put in that forward slash accelerator or click the link in the show notes, read all about it, and you can fill out your application to find out more about starting your freshman year at BU. But until the next time we talk, you know what we do. Make an impact, start with self, and be you.